people need ordering principles. Twelve rules. In this episode, we talk about channel rescue, the wider um, channel crossing situation, uh, Nigel Farage, the government, and groups to the right of Nigel Farage, like kind of Britain first and that kind of thing. Um, Alex, you have a very spicy take about the relationship between these three parts and how they all relate to the border crossing. And you're absolutely gagging to get it in. So, Alex, please tell us. I mean, in, in our interview that's coming up with Zakia, we, we do briefly touch on it, but I think we, we got a few takes before we before we get to the interview. And I, I think the the issue of the migrant, cri- uh, migrant crisis, so-called migrant crisis, and how it, it, it seems to be in this particular case, and we've we've had an upsurge of kind of stories and you know concern and you know the usual stuff from the usual suspects, and it all kind of really stems from from one kind of Nigel Farage um, segment on his new GB news show. Now the the the, the, the impetus for Nigel Farage to suddenly have a problem with the migrant crisis again, or to suddenly start very publicly talking about it again, is clearly to like you know pump up views for GB news, and it's it's to rile up. And specifically, the choice of the RNLI, like a kind of almost unimpeachable uh, Royal National Lifeboat Institute, almost unimpeachable charity, which Farage has previously, you know, raised money for, um, is is a, a quite deliberate choice to to make angry as much of the population as possible, and to kind of this. I think this 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 strategy kind of harkens back to and to to it harkens a kind of um, a strategy we've seen a lot in America and a lot here, which is like uh, uh, things being said specifically to rile up the lips, trigger the lips. And this is like a, a big part of, of this whole thing is that the way to get a very dedicated, small but dedicated following is to annoy as much of the liberals as you possibly can. And people, there's a certain section of this country and of most countries which really enjoy that. Having said that, and while I do think the the selection of the discussion of channel rescue and discussion of the RLI is, is deeply cynical from Farage, he does hold a really interesting position in in the the right spectrum. I know it's I think it's problematic to think of things as a spectrum because it kind of exp- implies like all the worst stuff is at one end and all the everything else going past that gets less and less bad. And actually, you know, if you put the if you take the government government the Conservative Party as one end of the less bad spectrum they're doing all the worst stuff basically and you know as you go through these people's views get a lot more explicitly bad and they're willing to say really horrible stuff but you know that they are having less overall kind of negative impact um in any case farage is kind of outside of both the governmental right in with pretty patel and boris johnson's government he's never been a part of of that section officially although he's kind of danced around the edges and they've danced around him as well um and he stands also outside of the other side of him which is a migrant uh watch kind of uh independent vigilantes or fascists and the more officially constituted britain first and all these kind of parties who reject farage for being too you know too liberal or too in hoc with the establishment or, or or whatever and he holds a really interesting position of ambivalence and therefore also of power because he he can he can um he's an important kind of 
pivot between the policies of government and the actions of the far right. He kind of represents like a, he's like a translator, um, he's a kind of soothsayer, and he, he's a, he has positioned himself in this particular out, outburst of discourse as the nerd in, in, between, in, in, in between which everything else flows. That's a really important point. Um, I want to make like an even kind of like a grander point, <laughs> characteristically, um, which is about the relationship between um, the far right and like failure in neoliberalism. Um, I mean, particularly the ways in which neoliberalism as a kind of form of governance normally fails in order to make something marketizable, right? So there's some big problem, it causes a problem, um, there's a massive problem in society or in like, you know, some sort of failure of governance or uh, security failure or whatever. And the answer is privatization and the marketization of that thing. But there are other ways in which these things can fail. And migration is a really interesting and really important form in which something can fail. It's very difficult to work out how you would privatize border force. I mean, you probably definitely could. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that's like the, the way in which things are probably going to move. There's another direction of failure from neoliberalism, which is essentially to just become more and more reactionary. So because neoliberalism is kind of like underwritten by a collection of atomized social relations in which people um, regard moral claims on, them, on themselves and like moral claims of societies and appeals to justice and so on as essentially kind of a special pleading against the, the fundamental rationality of the world, which is that everyone is against each other and, you know, um, uh, competing for scarce resources, which is what neoliberalism instills, instills. because just appeals to justice and appeals to fairness and so on appear, appear from that perspective to be special pleading. There's a kind of a, a reactionary current within neoliberalism, and that's what we're seeing with, as Alex was saying, like the government. Right, this is what the government policy increasingly will revolve around. Uh, I mentioned in the interview that um, Priti Patel suggested that they're going to actually criminalise irregular migration. It's not a crime at the moment to come on a boat to the UK. It's not a crime, uh, but they might criminalize it at some point. And I think they're probably going to be able to find the support for that in this kind of coalition that Alex is talking about, in that kind of Farage and then like beyond him to the right of him, these kind of vigilantes, these fascists. You know, it, it's in that constellation that the, the conservatives will be able to uh, find the support for their way of justifying the failure of migration policy in the UK. And, you know, it is a failure. It's a failure on like every level. It's a, it's a legal failure. It's a, it's a, it's a, pr a profound moral failure. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a failure in any way you can kind of specify. Um, and deliberately so, because it's supposed to be marketizable, but it's not marketizable really. And therefore it turns into this other reactionary thing, which is the other way in which um, crises of governance happen or are resolved in neoliberalism. And just to finish off before we move on to our, to our interview segment, um, we have to also locate this discourse and the migrant crisis and maybe, you know, the last, you know, 50 years of, of policy and uh, kind of governance in an overarching kind of uh, theme or narrative of Great Britain's decline of fading from the world, the, the fading of the, of the British Empire. And this kind of empire melancholia is, 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 is key in, in a lot of this stuff. And we need to keep, always keep it in mind, you know, the, the evocation of the Second World War, the last great victory of, of Great Brit of Britannia, you know, 
um, defeating foreigners and you know being the hero. And after the after this point and the, the loss of colonial territories and the you know the, the fading away of Britain as a, as a global superpower is also key to this whole thing as well. So we've got to keep that in mind. And and that should be a the Empire Melancholia would make a great for a great episode later, which we should do. Yeah, I mean, this whole thing with the people coming on the boats is like an anti-Dunkirk, right? It's like the the exact opposite of Dunkirk in the in the in the the far right's imaginary. This is a really good interview. Uh, I was really happy with how this turned out. So uh, enjoy. Twelve rules. Quite often, it's the. Uh, one of the only podcasts I listen to. He's <laughs> responsible for about 10% of our listenership. Yeah, the, 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 it looks like we have a reasonably decent listenership for a left-wing podcast in the UK, but we don't. It's just me. Um, As I said, I, 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 I listen to you on, on, a, on a loop when I clean my house. Or... Okay, well, there's, then there's two people who listen to this podcast. Um, you must be the other half of the, the kind of Patreon supporters that are, are not my fake names. I think I listened to all of them more than five times by now because. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, super fan. All right. Well, hello. Welcome to 12 Rules for What. We're here with a kind of a, a super fan edition. Uh, if you want to be on this too, you can give us more than £100 a month and on Patreon, and we will uh, invite you on an interview and grill you about whatever it is that you want to be grilled about. Um, you specifically do not have to be qualified in any way to talk about yeah, the far you, right. You, um, we aren't. Uh, there are no qualifications to talk about the far right. Um, you must not know anything of salience about the far right. Okay. But you can come on. Um, not for you. No, you have to know things, unfortunately, because you're a guest now, because uh, this is just a special offer for future Patreon <laughs> uh, supporters. Um, yeah, go to Patreon, sign up, and um, that'll be fun. Okay, so we are here. I'm Sam, of course, as ever. I'm joined by Alex. Alex. Hello. Hello. And um, we are here with Zosha, who Hello. is from Channel Rescue. How are you doing? Um, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. It's been a busy day, but I'm surviving. Okay. We're going to kind of try and keep this relatively short just because I know that you've been dealing with a lot of very disruptive journalists, uh, probably for the last kind of three weeks since you came to the attention and Channel Rescue really came to the attention of Nigel Farage. Um, maybe you could just tell us how that happened and um, yeah, what has Channel Rescue been kind of involved in for uh, the last few weeks? Um. So uh, uh, I guess uh, maybe I'll give a brief introduction of uh, what Channel Rescue is. Uh, Channel Rescue is uh, essentially a human rights monitoring uh, group uh, based in, uh, uh, in Kent. Uh, and uh, what we do is uh, uh, we make sure that uh, the people uh, arriving uh, by boat from, uh, uh, from uh, uh, mainland Europe uh, are treated with uh, dignity they deserve essentially. Um, and a um, few weeks ago, to be honest, I don't remember if it was three weeks ago or two weeks ago or four weeks ago, because uh, it kind of all blended. Uh, but uh, a few weeks ago, uh, a couple of our uh, volunteers who were doing a, a spotting shift on the uh, on the cliffs in uh, in Kent uh, spotted a uh, boat in uh, in distress. And uh, after having observed this boat for uh, uh, for some time, uh, they figured that. Uh, Neither uh, border force or uh, lifeboats uh, will come and uh, uh, pick them up. Uh, for the record, I don't think if I did it, uh, 
uh, out of negligence. I think it was just like they didn't see this boat. Um, and uh, this boat was uh, uh, heading towards uh, quite a dangerous uh, uh, landing spot. So our volunteers uh, directed it, the, it uh, by basically hand signals um, to the cl closest uh, uh, safe spot to, uh, to land the boat. Uh, which uh, was a uh, beach uh, with um, um, basically beachgoers uh, uh, on it who um, uh, did, didn't particularly like it. And uh, our volunteers and, of course, the people uh, on the boat were filmed while uh, they were helping uh, to take the boat off the, uh, off the water. There is a video uh, widely available if you want to watch it. This was uh, filmed. Our volunteers were uh, challenged by several of the uh, of the people on, uh, on the beach, uh, basically implying that uh, we are assisting in uh, uh, human trafficking. Um, and uh, next day or two days after this, uh, Nigel Farage got hold of uh, one of these uh, videos made uh, in Kent and posted it on um, uh, on his uh, Facebook uh, Facebook account. Uh, uh, he named uh, Channel Rescue. Uh, which obviously directed a lot of uh, uh, not particularly wanted traffic towards uh, our uh, our social media. He also invited us to uh, uh, take part in uh, uh, his show at uh, GB News, which we rejected. Um, he interviewed uh, someone from uh, Amnesty International uh, instead, and to be um, like they, uh, this person did a great job of uh, challenging him. Um, and uh, since then, we are experiencing uh, very high levels of uh, uh, interest from uh, from the media. Basically, uh, we've been talking with pretty much all big uh, media outlets in uh, in UK uh, by now. But basically, what triggered this uh, this whole thing? Because we've been doing this for quite a while. What triggered this uh, this interest was uh, Nigel Farage and this uh, incident of uh, boat uh, land actually landing, and our volunteers. Uh, assisting it what do you think is um so particularly uh riling or um uh what offends the far right and what offends Nigel farage so particularly about the idea of people landing in um boats on the british shore obviously there's a kind of a more general kind of hatred but it seems to me at least i mean from a kind of an outside perspective that there is something very particular about two parts of this that really seems to rile them up one is the fact that it's boats in some sense there's a there's an almost kind of mythic british uh thing about being an island and being kind of protected by the by the sea and so on i guess and the other one is um that people have to essentially guide people in like escort them in or assist them in some way in in, in making landings and there's a i guess a kind of a a terror there in the far imaginary of um uh, you know, uh, traitors who would uh, assist people in humanitarian need. Is that how you see it as well? Or do you think there's something else about how the far right particularly responds to boats in particular? I mean, uh, I think I agree with you, but uh, basically the, the, the symbolism of a boat, there's a lot of uh, reference, uh, like basically they make a lot of war references. Uh, they call it an invasion. Uh, they refer to the people arriving uh, by the uh, by uh, by a boat as men of fighting age, whatever it means. But it's a very uh, very common one, and I think basically they play very much on the uh, Second World uh, World War rhetorics with you know landing on the beach and. Uh, uh, but um, they basically try to make a claim of uh, 
United Kingdom being invaded by uh, illegals in quotation uh, quota, quota, quotation marks, which is by the way, it's uh, it's not correct. These people are uh, uh, what they do is not illegal. Uh, it's just uh, because there is no other uh, uh, route to come to UK and uh, uh, and uh, seek asylum. This is uh, this is what it is basically. It's a, it's an act of desperation, but it's not illegal. It's perfectly legal to arrive like this and uh, go and claim asylum. Uh, but yes, there's a lot of uh, war rhetorics uh, uh, involved uh, uh, in this, you know, invasion of uh, men of fight fighting age on our glorious island kind of uh, rhetorics um, uh, in this. It's very silly if you ask me, you know what I mean? Because we're talking about uh, several thousand people arriving every year. Uh, I mean, obviously now the numbers are growing, but it's still like, uh, it's absolutely minuscule considering that uh, uh, like, like if you compare it to the population of UK, it's definitely not an invasion. And if it is, in, if it is it's incredibly unsuccessful, you know what I mean? It's, uh... Yes. <laughs> not it's same way as invasion like that, um, that when that like weird militia tried to inv invade Venezuela uh, last year and all got ended up getting, getting paraded in front of the cameras. I mean, yeah. The other the other thing about the birds, sorry, real quick, is it's it's the most visible, it's the most obviously visible entry of of illegal immigrants or brown immigrants or whatever term you want to throw at these people, that the far right throws at these people. It, it, people come in and seek asylum over flying and through the you know international agreements and treaties and so forth and various, you know, the, the UK is obliged to take a, a, a certain number of people in, you know, but you can't see someone arriving by plane. You can see it's a very visual image that is, is not. I'm not surprised that it was a that it has been latched onto. In, in yes, I also think that uh, you uh, yes, it's it's definitely very visible. It's quite spectacular, and uh, you know, it's an act of desperation. It's a very dangerous journey. Uh, and um, uh, but uh, what I see uh, also see is that uh, basically there there are. Uh, a fair few of uh, uh, YouTubers who uh, decided that uh, they gonna uh, they will take uh, take upon them to report on this apparently very important for uh, for them issue and uh, all they do is uh, they hang out in a port in uh, in Dover in the space where uh, border force uh, uh, is docked and like they make this incredibly boring hours long uh, uh, videos uh, and I mean what they do is frankly counting brown people and black people uh, arriving uh, to this country. I was, uh, I was uh, quite obsessed with them, uh, at the, like at the beginning of when I joined uh, Channel, Channel Rescue, I was quite obsessed with uh, with several of, uh, uh, of them, just uh, because it was quite interesting for me to see um, how they present themselves, because they all uh, claim uh, to be independent journalists or concerned citizens, whereas in fact, uh, uh, they are promoting uh, extremely far-right uh, uh, agenda and very racist one. And uh, one of the things they do is, uh, you know, they have this habit of um, um, they want uh, the Home Secretary to do something about it, but they never really name this thing they, uh, uh, they want her to do. It's always like they say that she has to deal with it. And it's always the eat is quite important for me because essentially what they uh, what they do is uh, because they call for uh, some kind of ethnic cleansing essentially they just uh, they are basically too savvy or too clever to name it uh, so it's always like 
this issue must be dealt with. And they, you know, they make statements such as uh, everyone knows what we should do uh, with this. And, you know, they, uh, what, they, uh, what they advocate for is uh, pushbacks, sinking boats, sending the army and basically killing people, you know. <laughs> and they do this on top of uh, uh, claiming that we are not racist and that they will not have a problem if, uh, uh, if someone comes here by something they perceive, perceive as legal means. It's massively uh, misleading, to be honest, because I, I mean, you know, there's this one guy there who's been uh, doing this for about 18 months, and I'm pretty sure that by now he must know that uh, what these uh, unfortunate people who have to travel like this to, to seek uh, safety do is not illegal. Like, honestly, this guy must know about it. For It's just not very convenient for him to, to say it uh, openly, you know? Um, but yeah, it's uh, in Channel Rescue, to be honest, we have a, a bit of a discussion whether it's appropriate to call them fascists. Uh, because, uh, I mean, personally, I think, yes, they are fascists, uh, but uh, there are people who uh, prefer to call them vigilantes. Uh, however, for me, um, because like the underlying uh, desire behind what they say, uh, is basically killing people uh, of different race. And like for me, this is enough to call them far right or fascist, you know? I think that's a really interesting distinction. Uh, I, I mean, normally we make on this show, obviously, if, if you want to quibble, if you want to have an argument about the term fascism, you've come to the right podcast. But normally on this show, we talk about uh, fascism or this podcast is about, that's what it's about. So time. we do it all the time. This is literally like, do you know, the, the distinction between fascists and vigilantes, I find completely, like, it's really a captivating distinction. What, I mean, I know it's not your position, but like, what do you think the people who say that they're not fascist, they're vigilantes are getting at? Because that's a really interesting distinction. Um, I think they, uh, I mean, uh, uh, by the way, I think they make uh, these people who, who would call them vigilantes rather than fascists, I think they do have few fair points to make. However, I, uh, um, I think uh, the way they see it is uh, uh, basically they don't uh, consider them as a particular threat. Uh, whereas I uh, I disagree with this because uh, by sh like sheer popularity they enjoy on uh, on social media they are a threat because uh, many people uh, go to the podcasts and go to the live streams and go to the Twitter accounts and the the message there essentially is racism and fascism they want UK to be a white country they think that. Uh, 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 white people are being replaced by uh, people of uh, uh, other colors uh, uh, by some kind of uh, malicious conspiracy, which uh, involves everyone, including Pretty Patel, by, uh, uh, by the way, because they are not particularly great fans of Pretty, uh, Pretty Patel. Apparently, she's not far right enough for them. Uh, and I personally think that uh, the fact that she's a woman, brown woman, uh, uh, um, it doesn't really help with uh, uh, how they uh, uh, they talk about her. Uh, like I even seen some uh, uh, some of them making statements, but basically it's some kind of conspiracy because she's also a brown woman, and it's a conspiracy to like make this country a country of brown people, you know, <laughs> and she's part of it. But um, I mean, it's also the level of uh, uh, like uh, some of this, uh, these people, uh, by the way, it's almost uh, all of them are men, of course, uh, not all, but uh, almost all of them, are, uh, like, you know, some of them believe that uh, Boris Johnson's family who uh, 
came from Turkey at some point. I don't know. Uh, I don't know uh, when exactly is also involved in this conspiracy, and that this is the plan they uh, they came up with when they were still living in Turkey. You know, but mostly it's just like it's a. If you think about it, it's, it's an incredibly photogenic uh, uh, thing for the far right to report on, because it's spectacular. Uh, you have boats to film. You can go to Port in Dover and you can uh, see uh, border force uh, bringing people to the shore for uh, processing uh, before they go to usually to uh, to, to Napier uh, barracks. Uh, I think uh, most of them. And um, you know, it's just incredibly photogenic, and I just I think it's a very handy way of them to to move move uh, forward a very racist agenda. I think about wanna, uh, Boris sorry. Johnson is fascinating. I, I want to come back to that and about the relationship between the far right and the government. But I think Alex has a question. Uh, no, I just wanted to say, if you want, I think, I can't remember exactly with the episode, but if you want another view, the vigilante view, uh, go check out the episode interview I did with Simon from Channel Rescue, which is a few months ago now. And he, I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think he does give the opposite opposing view about the vigilante thing. Um, just coming back to... Um, Farage, um, what role do you think he plays in the kind of wider kind of uh, sphere of the governmental policy towards migration and migrants and through to the kind of vigilante fascist extra parliamentary far right movement? He seems to occupy a strange position between both of these two things. Um. So my personal view on Nigel Farage is, uh, is that he is incredibly successful conman, uh, and he will jump on anything which will give him likes <laughs> and views and all these other things. He's, uh, he's into, of course, I, uh, I mean, I know that he's, uh, he, his views are far right, but I think uh, basically he's a very good showman who um, detected this particular issue as something which will be popular enough for him to, uh, to pick up. I don't know if Nigel uh, uh, is aware that uh, this is uh, like it's essentially a non-issue. It doesn't matter uh, how many thousands of people will come; it's never going to be enough to uh, to invade this island, you know. <laughs> uh, and also, I don't think if this is what uh, the people who are uh, taking the uh, the risk to make this journey uh, have in mind when they come here. But uh, I don't think if uh, facts are particularly important for uh, uh, for Nigel, and uh, I think he picked it up because. Uh, he lives of outrage, you know, and this was something which was outrageous uh, for him and for his followers. That, that's, the other, that's the other thing about uh, Farag as well. It's interesting that you said that facts don't matter, and it is true, facts don't matter. I just want to, we're probably going to come back onto this in a little bit, but when arguing in, in arguing against it, as Channel Rescue does either explicitly in media interviews or you know, implicitly, implicitly by the work you do, how does Channel Rescue frame that counter-argument to the whole migrant crisis? Because, it, I mean, here's my view. Um, I think doing it on the level of facts is deeply insufficient. And it's the same way of refuting the great replacement theory is deeply, but by via facts is insufficient. You need to make a strong positive argument, in my view, for the, the validity of people seeking safety and shelter and that as a as a you know a rich country we are kind of obligated at the very least to take to accept and to nurture and to bring in um you know uh migrants 
I mean, um, Channel Rescue, uh, Channel Rescue's primary focus in, is on human rights monitoring. Uh, like um, uh, a few people uh, involved, they've seen what is happening uh, in Mediterranean, and uh, uh, we just don't want this to happen here. Um, and obviously, uh, maybe we should work more on the general uh, narrative, like uh, like as we know, the facts are on uh, on our side, not like facts matter. Uh, like if you go and have a look at this uh, interview uh, Farage did with uh, this uh, guy from uh, Amnesty International, uh, you know, Farage was trashed by him, by numbers and facts, but uh, he still uh, uh, decided that it was a victory for him. <laughs> you know, it's uh, but. Um, I don't know. To be honest, uh, uh, it's not uh, it's not only the far right. The, the, the how uh, the the issue of migration in general. I'm uh, not even the type of migration we see in uh, uh, in Kent is presented in uh, in UK. Uh, anywhere, to be honest, it's uh, it's just absolutely not on as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's always migration is uh, is uh, presented as a problem. And uh, it doesn't matter if you look at uh, Daily Mail or The Guardian, it's always the problem. They just talk about this problem uh, uh, in different ways, but it's always presented as a problem. What are we going to do with migration? What are we going to do with migrants? Are we going to get skilled people, not skilled people? Who's going to pick, uh, pick strawberries? All of this is uh, it's perceived as a problem. And I think uh, I don't know how this, uh, this narrative can be changed, to be honest, at, uh, at this stage. Like looking because I'm a migrant as well uh, as well and uh, like uh, like looking throughout the years, it dramatically changed uh, as soon as uh, Brexit referendum became a thing. Like I'm not talking about the disaster known as Brexit referendum, but as soon as it was announced by David Cameron that this will uh, this will happen, uh, this this kind of narrative uh, started to appear and uh, it's uh, it's incre it's incredibly uncomfortable because if you look at the numbers, migration is actually quite good for for UK, you know. It's just nobody has guts to say it on a mainstream forum, you know? And uh, I don't know, like uh, maybe Sadiq Khan, because Sadiq Khan was actually doing quite a lot of like, you know, putting posters uh, up and this kind of stuff. But uh, but anyways, you, uh, as far as media are concerned, it's just, it's uh, migration is a problem, full stop. A bigger problem if we are talking about uh, uh, asylum seekers a, a bit less of a problem if we are talking about EU uh, EU citizens, but it's always a problem. I think that I mean I, I, I agree with you. This is how it's generally presented. But there's a uh, there was a slightly kind of heartening, at least for me, um, response to uh, Farage's attack, particularly not just on you guys, but also on the uh, Royal National Lifeboat Institute, the RNLI, uh, where he referred to them as a taxi service for migrants. And this the response to this was basically there was a massive increase in the number of donations to the RNLI uh, as a kind of a fuck you to Nigel. So, I mean, like, I, I think that this is totally clear how it's, uh, I think you're completely right about how the media presents it um, overwhelmingly. Uh, I also think that there is a, uh, a fairly sizable contingent. They're not hegemonic in British politics. They're not hegemonic in British social life. There's a very sizable contingent of people in this country who are uh, quite resistant to that, that form of um, racism. I mean, this is not to say it doesn't exist. Of course, it's like a major force in its own. But I think that, that it's not quite as a kind of dominating or hegemonic as, uh, as maybe sometimes it seems. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, we, we also got, uh, we got a lot of positive feedback. Uh, yeah. 
both in Kent uh, from the locals uh, and also all over uh, all over social media. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, the obviously the negative feedback is, is always more visible because uh, first of all, people who are angry with you are much more likely to send you a message. Uh, and second is just, um, you know, the, uh, like we were receiving messages telling us that uh, they will come and murder us, you know. Uh, but, and of course, we, we also received a lot of positive uh, messages and uh, uh, our volunteer list uh, skyrocketed and we got a tap in a local pub, uh, which was very nice. Uh, so, you know, it's not all bad, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> That's what you need. A, you need, a, you need a, a Patreon so you can get a tab on a club hub. Um, the other way that migration is presented is, 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 is criminal. And I know you were saying that before that it, um, it's not a crime to um, come on a boat to the UK. And you're right, but I mean, there, but there, there are suggestions that the government might make, might make it a crime, right? Uh, irregular migration might be criminalized, uh, become a crime uh, punishable by up to four years in prison. That's quite a serious, um, like that's, that's a serious punishment for something that obviously should be a human right. Um, so there's possibly that kind of criminal future to it. But I mean, the situation in which there are crimes committed in the context of this, in which, you know, you can be accused of, you know, um, human trafficking in quotation marks uh, for assisting migrants is just a kind of a, um, basically a failure of the state to govern this problem correctly, right? Like it's a, it's a kind of a, um, the fact that there is a crime here, the fact that there are, um, you know, kind of, uh, quote unquote, kind of gangs of smugglers uh, involved in this at all is just because there are laws that prevent people from doing the perfectly normal thing, which is buying a ticket on a train or a plane or this kind of thing to come to the UK and uh, migrating in these much more kind of um, you know, <laughs> humane ways. Sorry? It's also much more expensive. Um, right. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. So in, in, in every single way, like the, 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 the quote unquote crime of migration is produced by the state that attempts to make it a crime um and therefore if it just if you know there will be no need for human trafficking there'll be no need for these uh absolutely appalling detention detention centers in libya if the eu and also britain now would adopt a, a sensible humane migration policy um there would just be no need for this kind of like uh, unbelievable human rights abuse uh, that is going on yeah, uh, uh, i think uh, obviously uh, human trafficking is a uh, it's a serious crime uh, however, uh, uh, when we talk about uh, the, the channel crossings, I'm not sure if it's that it's that black and white, uh, because uh, it seems to me uh, pretty self-organized. Uh, like it's it's an act of desperation, of course. Like it's a very dangerous uh, stretch of water, which is also very busy with uh, very big vessels. It's very easy to crash to something, and. Uh, I, I'm not, I mean, uh, we don't do this kind of monitoring, but uh, my impression is that uh, uh, most of these uh, human traffickers uh, are just people who are in the same situation and uh, uh, and they just decide to organize and, yeah. and make this journey. Like, I think even today or yesterday, there was a case when uh, somebody who, uh, who traveled on, uh, uh, on this, uh, uh, one of these boats uh, was found uh, not guilty of, uh, of human trafficking. Because uh, Home Office would like to uh, prosecute everyone who was driving the boat uh, for human trafficking. And this doesn't seem to be very uh, successful in courts uh, uh, so far. Uh, and yes, of course, I mean, ideally, uh, Channel Rescue would not have a reason to exist because everyone will buy themselves a ticket from wherever they uh, come from and land on Heathrow and go and uh, 
and, and find the asylum claim in an appropriate place. But uh, this is not the case. The, uh, the, what the, the general image is that uh, this, these people dare to do something illegal uh, instead of coming legally where there is no legal route uh, to do this, you know? There's a, there is also precedence um, for like, and I think this is something that the left, if you want to talk about the left, uh, needs to start thinking about is that the very act of monitoring that Channel Rescue do, or the act you described of, of like waving the boat away from danger and onto a safe landing spot could be criminalized in the near future as well. And they, yeah. it, it, just as human trafficking for people who drive the boats, there'll be, you know, it's criminal act to, to cross the channel now. So anyone directing people to safe landing spots are facilitating a criminal act, whatever, whatever. And we've seen in 2019 in Italy, uh, a similar claim by the Italian government whose interior minister at the time was Salvini, um, you know, that, that this, the, the rescue boat, the Aquarius, was running a, a migrant taxi service and the, the, the owners of the boat were kind of arrested um, for the for the crime of running this uh, this, this taxi service, uh, have has in Keller Rescue or like have you thought about this and what to do about it? Uh, not yet. I mean, we are waiting for uh, this new laws to to come to force. Uh, there is a uh, uh, by the by the way, there is uh, there, there are much more uh, cases in Mediterranean when uh, states try try to prosecute. Uh, um, uh, people doing uh, rescue missions on uh, on the uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. The the most recent one is Greek state against the uh, Aegean Bolt report. It's ongoing now. Uh, they had a fundraiser uh, which I think ended yesterday uh, uh, for this. So it's uh, it doesn't seem to be successful. And to be honest, uh, I mean personally, I'm happy to try it in a court of law because if I spot a boat in distress on the sea and I direct it without any prior contact. To a safer landing spot, uh, I just it doesn't seem to me like a crime. In fact, uh, it seems to me like not doing this will be a greater crime against all the marine laws of this world. You know, so I think uh, sooner or later uh, it will be uh, it will be tested in court. Uh, for now, like we don't really have a legal uh, legal people probably should think about it. Uh, uh, but we are waiting for uh, for these new laws to become a law if it happens. And actually, just thinking about the, the RNLI had a really good response. Um, we're just going back to the thing about facts and stuff and quibbling about facts and grander narratives. The RNLI were like, well, it's our, as a charity, it's our mission and a moral, in, in fact, they, they almost framed it in moral terms and maybe they did, you know, it's our moral duty to rescue people in distress at sea. We've been doing this for this many, for like hundreds of years and we're going to continue doing it and we make no apology for rescuing people at sea. And I think maybe that's the, that's as simple as, that's as that's as easy a narrative you can get. We're here, here to help people and stop people from dying. And the the kind of counter argument to that is like let them die in the in the sea in sight of, of land of two, you know, in sight of land is is pretty abhorrent and it's quite a hard sell, I would think. Yeah, I mean uh, the the lifeboats they uh, they did a great job of uh, countering this narrative for sure. And I think they do they uh, they do this on some kind of moral uh, drive uh, a lot. I'm pretty sure that uh, they have much more work right now uh, than, than they, are, they are used to, uh, but they just keep doing this. And as, uh, as, as much as I feel very uncomfortable to say it, border force is also doing this. Uh, we have not detected border force uh, not rescuing people or doing pushbacks uh, so far. 
they do this despite of uh, Pretty Patel having a proper go at them uh, for doing this and trying to force them not to do this. Uh, so you know, I think it's some kind of yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a moral imperative essentially. Uh, it's very similar to I don't know. It's like if you go swimming and you see a drowning five-year-old, are you gonna ask her for a passport? You know, it's uh, like it's, it's as simple as that. It's uh... yes, put in put in those terms, it makes uh, a lot of sense. Um, there are other agencies involved, as you mentioned, Border Force. There's the obviously the, the lifeboats. There's Channel Rescue. Um, there's Britain First as well, who which had a boat uh, at least last year, the uh, HMS Alfred the Great, uh, which is a terrible name for a boat. Uh, I don't actually think it was uh, HMS. I think that's just for Royal Navy boats. Anyway, um, but there's also another organisation in this called the National Crime Agency, which is the Britain's FBI, I guess. Maybe that's a silly way of thinking about it. But like, um, it's a it's an organization people don't really know much about. It's um, it's a fairly kind of reconstituted organization. Uh, it's been changed a lot of times uh, recently, and it's a it basically deals with organized and serious crime. So the National Crime Agency back in April issued an amber alert to people involved in the maritime industry, um, for people uh, who they might see boats, people who might see um, or people who might. Be have to uh, buy boats uh, or sell boats to people, and they give you a kind of a list of things that were uh, suspicious to look out when somebody's trying to buy a boat off you. Um, the and one of the things that they suggested was like general, generally like a bad vibe. That's not the quotation marks. They didn't use the word vibe, but generally a bad vibe was the uh, the way in which they discussed this. And they said that anyone who spots a boat in the channel should call Crime Stoppers. Uh, <laughs> crime Stoppers. And I was like, what? Why would they call Crime Stoppers? Why wouldn't they call like the Coast Guard or the RNLI? Or, you know, even like, why wouldn't the NCA recommend they call Border Force? And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, what uh, for uh, NCA actually, uh, you know, uh, with monitoring what NCA is doing, it's my paid job, yes. Uh, and yes, they definitely spend too much time and resources on, uh, on human trafficking. And also they need to get. Uh, uh, some better person to write their press releases because they read like Daily Mail. Um, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, th there is. I'm sure there is an issue of uh, organized uh, people smuggling. As, uh, as as you probably remember, there was the case of uh, 49 or 39 Vietnamese people dying in a truck. And of course, these issues they have to be tackled. You know what I mean? But this is another issue which comes from the fact that it's in incredibly difficult to uh, arrive in this country by legal means. Nobody wants to go to a track, you know, for $5,000 or however uh, much it costs, you know? So if NCA, NCA really wants to uh, to end this issue, I think we should speak with the home office and uh, basically tell them, listen, we need safe routes to this country so everyone can uh, uh, can apply for whatever we want to apply for. I mean, I, I as an anarchist, of course, I don't believe, I think everyone should leave wherever they want without uh, uh, proving uh, uh, their existence, essentially. But uh, obviously, we don't live in anarchist utopia. So I, I understand that everyone has to apply for visas or whatever. But there's there's very few legal ways to do this, you know? And much better way of tackling it, uh, this issue, the issue of uh, uh, human trafficking would be to provide these routes. Yep, I agree entirely. Have you experienced any of the uh, the the far right kind of boats, uh, the various no. different kind of groups that are going? No. Uh, we had some unpleasant encounters uh, last time when I was in uh, uh, in Kent. Uh, 
uh, we were stopped by a couple of uh, uh, guys on the bikes who kind of challenged us. If uh, uh, basically it was a few days after this whole uh, uh, landing, and uh, they asked us if uh, this is what we are doing, uh, and they mentioned uh, uh, Migrant Watch, which is uh, like the evil channel rescue from the from the far right. Uh, and I, to be honest, I didn't understand if they tried to recruit us to Migrant Watch or uh, like, it was just a bit of a hostile kind of, um, you know, the vibe, yeah? Like they didn't look like the the the, the type of uh, people we would like to explain in detail what, uh, what we are doing. And something like this did happen a uh, few times. However, most of our encounters are positive uh, with the locals, uh, like, uh, there are quite a few people who will be like, uh, oh, yes, it's really bad that uh, people are dying on the sea and it's very bad that we have to take this journey, but this country is full. <laughs> and this is just because we read too much Daily Mail, not necessarily that uh, they are bad people, you know. Uh, I can see uh, quite a, a, a clear gender difference uh, also in how uh, we are being approached. Uh, like basically meeting a bunch of uh, uh, ladies uh, taking a walk on the cliffs, it's usually you can just assume that it's gonna be safe. But if it's gonna be a bunch of men, it, it, like it kind of puts us on the edge and we, you know, we try to be more careful because we get more hostilities. Let's look to the future very briefly. Um, you have, uh, you're working on a boat. Tell us yeah. about that. I'm not personally doing, the, uh, I'm not skilled to work on a boat, uh, but there are uh, people who are more skilled than me working on a boat. Hopefully this boat will be on the water uh, soon. Uh, obviously we bought the boat we could afford, which wasn't uh, the, the, you know, the top of the shelf uh, uh, type of boat, but it's cool. It looks very cool. Um, for now, we do mostly this, uh, like the boat, uh, boat repairs, and also uh, like we monitor the shore, uh, looking either for landings or for uh, human rights breaches uh, from from border force, which, as I said, uh, they just don't happen uh, so far, or we didn't see it at least. Border force just goes and picks people up and comes back to Dover, and this is all we do. I do think the the issue of um, the issue of migrant solidarity or expressing, or expressing our solidarity to people trying to seek safety, any migrants really, is going to become more pressing in the in in the near future with the climate crisis getting worse. And you know we're going to talk about this a lot in our second book, but we, and we've talked about this on this podcast. But what is li a likely response from the British state is is an intensification of of a border regime of uh, kind of much more rigorous. I mean, we're, in fact, we're already seeing it, but like even more worse much worse than what's coming now and so these kind of and we'll see the start of the start of the rhetoric around pushbacks and letting people die and making it a hostile environment in the sea and this kind of thing and this is something that you know that has 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 to be in consideration for, for all of us how can people yeah how can volunteer people support you? to go and have a big ride on the big cool boat that you've got you know, just jump on <laughs> and ride around in the sea that's how it works right no. <laughs> How long do you have to be in Channel Rescue until you get the tab in the bar? Um, or is it like instant? Or do you, you know? For me, it was just two visits. Okay, so two visits, one drink in the bar. You know, this but is the, a perfect. Uh, uh, perfect... There's this incredibly lovely old lady uh, who is running this pub, and she's like the, my favorite person in Kent. She loves us. 
um, you can uh, ask for volunteering of channel rescue. If you go to our website, you will see a volunteer form uh, and uh, uh, you can fill it and uh, we will get back to you. Uh, we do a bit of screening uh, before we invite people to our private communica communication channels or campsite and all these things. Um, but yes, if you want to volunteer, you are more than welcome. As for the boat, um, so, uh, well, I acknowledge that uh, boat is incredibly cool. Uh, however, sea rescue missions <laughs> uh, require skill. Uh, so, uh, don't be one of these people who are like, I'm going to the boat or I'm not coming at all, uh, if you fill this form, because this is not, not what is needed. In fact, uh, there is a term for this kind of people in Mediterranean and it's rescue horny. So don't be rescue horny, anyone. Wise words. Wise words. Do not be rescue horny, listeners. Um, <laughs> but do support Channel Rescue in whatever way you can. Thank you so much for coming, Zasha. This has been Thanks. really lovely. And have a good evening. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed that, then you can go over to Patreon, where we now have a whole bunch of more premium episodes and essays and other things like that. We're also starting a book club for people who want to get more into this stuff. You can read along with us. We'll talk about it. We'll have regular Zoom calls. It'll be great fun. And on the higher tier, we'll even send you a copy of our two books when they drop. That's patreon.com slash 12 rules for what. All the support we get means a lot to us and it really does help us grow this project. And thanks a lot for listening again and I'll see you very soon. 12 rules for what?